The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Coming up on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, early draft results. Fred is flummoxed by Jordan Alvarez and Mike, Tom, uh, Mike Trout's ADP. What do you do about closers? That and a whole lot more. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by the good folks at WinBet. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. It's been a while, Fred, since we've had a chance to chat. How are you? I'm good. I've uh, I, I've cultivated a lot of fantasy baseball thoughts in the last few weeks, and I haven't had anyone to share them with. As you could guess, yeah. no one in my immediate family is interested in my <laughs> fantasy baseball thoughts. So I couldn't wait for today to have someone to talk to about all these ideas. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad uh, that you have you, you stored them. You didn't go elsewhere. You didn't just shout them from the no. Twitter like I usually do or things like that. You <laughs> actually saved them for this podcast. So I did. You've already done four slow drafts. You, I think you finished one today. Is that correct? I am on. Wait, I'm I'm losing track right now. I think I'm I'm in my fourth one right now. In round twenty of my fourth one right now. I okay. might have lost track. I'm like my fifth one, but I think it's my fourth one. Now, are you doing twelve team, fifteen team? What are you doing right now? Just twelves so far, and I don't usually Same. do a lot of. I don't usually do a lot of twelve team leagues. Um, I just found those NFBC fifties are just in. Like I hated mock drafts. I, yeah. I, you know, I know Rob Silver does a great rant on. On, or used to do a great rant on how much he hates mock drafts. Like I hated mock drafts. I just mm-hmm. never found them productive. Um, these I find very productive because people are drafting them all the way to the end. They're trying. Yeah. I'm getting a really good feel for the player pool. I'm not putting down my big money for, you know, leagues that like I'll save that money kind of investment for March, but, but, but I'm playing something out and, and I'm, I'm really enjoying them, but those NFBC fifties are 12 team leagues. So I've done 12 so far, not 15s. So, you know what? You and I are almost exactly the same. So I'm in the middle of my fourth NFBC 50. I'm in round 41. It's the okay. only difference. And three others have been finished. Uh, this one's a four-hour one. Usually I like the two. I did one that was a one-hour one, which, in fact, I did a one, two, and a four all at the same time. I bought a three-pack. Yeah. Um, and that was great, except then I decided to travel to Tennessee to go follow my Bengals and was trying to draft three different teams while traveling <laughs> over the same weekend. And I might have gotten auto-picked once or twice in the one-hour draft. But uh, fortunately, I, I keep stacking my queue, so it usually isn't too damaging. Uh, but uh, So we both have stuff to talk about and probably somewhat similar results. 
Yeah, I think I think so. I, I find, yeah, I think I've definitely picked up some trends for myself and just the player mm-hmm. pool in general. By the way, I've been sticking with two hours. I do find it to be the sweet spot. Yeah, um, and I too. love that they moved to one hour, that they cut the time in half, whatever round it is, round 30 or whatever, they 25, they cut the time in half after that. I could do a one hour. I could not do a four hour. Like, bless you for doing a four hour. I could not, I could it- not have someone eat up the four hour clock. You know, usually they don't, and then towards the end of the draft, they, it's, it accelerates to two, and the mm-hmm. twos accelerate to one. By the mm-hmm. way, I think it's after round thirty, uh, yeah. so it's it's not that bad. Uh, and most people are excited, like we are, right? So yeah. it, it's actually it's not that bad. But I, I hear you on that. And, you know, it, and because this is my fourth one, maybe I don't care as much about the time time difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you what positions have you drafted from? Yeah, so I haven't been at the end yet. Um, I've had two first picks and okay. a fifth and a seventh. How about you? I've had three, five, seven, and I think another five. I haven't had a ba- back of the draft yet. And you uh, like picking from the middle. So do I, but you, I know yeah. you like picking from the middle. I do. So but I, I, I haven't said KDS. I've oh, I was said, ask I'm taking that. what comes. Okay, um, I... I've said it, but not heavily. Like I've moved some of those middle spots up a bit, but um, yeah, I haven't said it heavily yet. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, have you done the same sort of draft style? Do you, uh, or have you experimented with, experimented with uh, different like strategies at all? And say like the first ten rounds, because that's really where it it, it manifests itself the most, right? Yeah, I'm interested to see. You know, you can see your roster percentage. Right with the NFBC, you can click on that and see your player mm-hmm. shares or whatever it is. I'm right. interested to see that maybe after this one, I'll kind of take note of, especially the early round picks if I'm ending up with the same ones. Um, okay. You no, know, I've mixed it up. Um, I've taken, well, the f- two times I picked first, I took Trey Turner. Um, but uh, the middle picks, I took a Bo Bichette and I took a Garrett Cole. So those are kind of different starts uh, right from there. But I'm, I'm definitely noticing i'm noticing the, the same as last year i'm noticing the speed early factor and that it is challenging if you're going to i know you and scott i listened to you and scott's uh podcast from sunday night and um you know it's challenging if you're going to try to squeeze in like a vlad or a freddie freeman or something in the early rounds sure uh absolutely uh it it really would be it, it's it's different i have one league where i started with vlad and i think i drafted him maybe fifth uh, okay. because I wanted to vla- a team last year, I kind of got shut out on Vlad except for one keeper yeah. league. So I kind of wanted him, but I gotta tell you, I, I don't like building that way. Uh, I don't like not getting any speed with that first round pick. If where, I'm taking where did you hitter. go immediately from there? So like, cause you have, you have no speed and you have no pitcher. Like if yeah. you start with Garrett Cole at that spot, you can at least say, well, okay, now my next couple picks, I'll get some speed. When you start Vlad, which I don't think is a bad plan. You just have to have. A plan for that? Like, did you immediately go pitcher or did you immediately go speed after that? Good question. Uh, so here's what I did. I went Vlad, Scherzer, Mullins, Anderson, Bogarts. Okay. Uh, Real Muto. Uh, so I had the one anchor uh, yeah. is what I kind of did on this one here. Dansby later gets a little bit of speed. It, it, you know, it, it's not enough. That's actually, you did, you did fine. What you didn't do is draft a lot of pitchers at the beginning. Right. I got so, my one anchor is what I did. Uh, right. I did two leagues where I kind of waited on starting pitchers and two leagues where I went heavy early starting pitching. And I think I like the pitching heavy, heavy pitching draft builds better. Better. Uh, right. 
in both of those cases, I started Jose Ramirez um, in, in, with, when I got the early pitchings. Uh, so I, I thought that was kind of interesting because, you know, I had a bad anchor instead, one that's at a, a position that a lot of people are squeamish about waiting yeah. upon in third base and getting speed out of a position that most people aren't getting speed out of. Uh, so I, I kind of attack, attacked it that way. And then I went like four pitchers in a row after that in both cases. So that was, that's kind of interesting too. Uh, but yeah, I do have to kind of, I should be writing, I should write these up uh, or at least I should build, you know, build my spreadsheet already. I, I'm a little behind on building that. Maybe I feel like I have time. Unfortunately, you do. I, you do. I saw the recent report uh, today and just, they seem really far away from having a deal. So yeah, I've been kind of not that eager to go about doing that there. I don't know about you, but I, I just, it's, it's frustrating to hear about that. I'm ignoring all that stuff. I'm just drafting these winter teams and just enjoying it. And I'll start sweating over that stuff in March if it's still an issue, which it might be. Yeah. And, and that's, I'm, I'm kind of doing that by doing these drafts. Yeah. And I've got the, I've got an actual draft champion starting next Tuesday. It's the first pitch Arizona speakers one that uh, Jeff Zimmerman has won the last two years. So down with Zimmerman. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to that. And I'm going to sign up for probably tomorrow for another 15 team or just so I can get used to that size. Yeah. Cause I think it's, it's, it's definitely a different beast really quickly. And you start to see this, especially with the scarce categories, scarce positions, I'm guessing. Yeah. I did think about doing a 15 teamer before we do the labor draft on the 22nd of February. Right. Um, we do have that too. That's looming. Or, then... or either that or the labor draft itself is going to be my Guinea pig for the other 15 teamers in March. So I'll have to decide if I'm going to do, 15 teamer before the labor draft but you're right it is a different beast these 12 team rosters if you're used to playing 15s which i am these 12 team rosters look so good like at the yeah. end i'm like wow this team's amazing and then i remember it's a 12 team and i'm like okay gotta raise your bar a bit here fred right so right you're exactly. going back to your vlad idea though um maybe that's the vlad play this year because you can't get around the fact that you need speed unless you're just right. not going to have speed but you can't get around that but maybe the vlad play the the person who should draft Vlad is the person who maybe really likes some pitchers in the like rounds seven, eight, nine, six, seven, eight, nine range just has some, they really like this year. So they're very comfortable going Vlad, maybe an ACE and then two or three guys who can steal bases or somewhere yeah. in those first five rounds, they only get one pitcher because they like some of the pitchers in rounds six to 10 a lot. And, and that's cool. Like if you like those guys, and you think that you've got pitchers in round six, seven that you can take that are going to outperform the, the guys we're all taking in round three, four, you could be right. And that would be the good play because I don't think Vlad's going to let you down. It's just how do you build a team around him? Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, I, I think that's absolutely true. Uh, I did do my very first draft. Uh, I, I waited on starting pitchers a little bit and I did that on purpose. Uh, under the notion, a lot of people have been talking about starting pitching is deep. So let, let's put that to test a little bit there. I, I drafted fifth out of this one as well. This is So I went Toronto in the first round. That was always the plan, right? No, right. I went Bo Bichette uh, there. And then I went followed up. And I, I kind of got lucky. I felt like I got Mookie Betts at 2.8 uh, in a 12-teamer. Okay. I think he, that fell too far. And Starling Marte at 3.5. Uh, so I really kind of got my speed addressed early in that one. It was different yep. than most. Hater in the fourth. I don't think that happens anymore, by the way. No. Nope. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Riley, I finally got my first starting pitcher in round six with Lance Lynn. I didn't take my second starting pitcher until round 10. 
and I went old and boring with my starting pitchers. And I, I was by design, Chris Bassett, Sonny Gray, Adam Wainwright. Uh, I took a chance with Severino, but Ryu is in the 16th round. Talk about a guy who's gotten devalued a lot. Uh, I'm not sure if I agree with how far he's slipping. I took a chance on like Strasburg in the 24th. Finally took a young guy, Patino, in twenty in round 25. Okay. I love him. Uh, now, I, I, I feel pretty good about it there, Fred. I, I'm not going to lie. I like that build. I got Hader and Romano as my top two closers, threw in a Joe Barlow. You know, I got a little soft spot for Joe Barlow. I know you understand that one there since you yep. and I were bidding on him together yep. in uh, labor. Uh, against Not together, but against each other in labor. Yep. Uh, don't want to imply that we're in cahoots because we clearly are not, <laughs> even though we made a trade with each other. But, uh, yeah, uh, it, that, you know, I, I, I feel like that's puts me in a pretty good spot. It might even have been overkill by going with Barlow, uh, only because in a, tw- I mean, in a 12 teamer, you probably need more than, uh, you probably need about 75 to 80 saves to get 80th percentile in a 15 teamer last year, you only needed 70 saves to get to 80th percentile, which that's, that's hater. And I mean, that's hater and Romano. If things go right now, that's a big, if, if is doing a lot of work there. But you start off with two solid closers, that might be all you need. Oh, absolutely. And remember, like these are standalone leagues. We get very main event centric, I think, sometimes. So we start talking yep. about being at like the 75th or 80th percentile. Right, that's right. more of a that's more main event talk. Like in your league, like, like now your team that you just mentioned, like that team's built to maybe win saves or finish second in saves or something like well, that. Well, there's but, an over, it's the 50, so there's still an overall component, right? And so the, there is. To- I, yeah. I never think about that too much in the fifties. I guess maybe I should, but I don't think about it as much in the fifties as I do in the main event. I mostly just think about winning the league. And if you're thinking about winning sure. the league, you could finish sixth in st- in saves. If you do, that's fine. Or seventh or fourth or whatever. Yeah, it's they're all fine. It's like yeah. if your team's good outside of that. So, but you said you like the teams where you emphasize pitching a little more than that one early. You like them better. Yeah, I, I I feel more. I mean, it's a feel thing, right? And sometimes yeah. we're aggressively wrong in our feels, uh, but I feel more comfortable with the results afterward. Uh, I feel like okay, well, I, I like what the, what this one did. Uh, so, you know, I I feel we'll pull a couple of them up here and we'll talk about it. But as uh, it's always it's always nice to be able to be able to go back and react to that there. Uh, looking at a couple that I'll pull up the draft board with one of them here. Went picking out of the three spot. I went Jose Ramirez three. Uh, you know, Ramirez is a theme. I've had him yep. a couple times. Wheeler Degrom, Iglesias, Sale, Gossman. After that, there heavy, heavy pitching. Uh, so wow, yeah, it wasn't full Dalton Del Don, but it was ninety percent Del Don. <laughs> yes, yes, that is a pitching staff right there. Holy, yeah, yep. and obviously you heard some pretty risky names there, but I also I felt. You start with Wheeler, you have a lot of innings, you have have your stud there. And Gossman's obviously a risk going in Toronto, but, uh, you know. But probably not an innings risk. I don't think Gossman's that risky, yeah. period. But, yeah, I definitely agree. not I innings like him risk. A lot. And I think, yeah. I think six rounds a pretty darn good price for him, but uh, that might just be me. Uh, but you're the Toronto guy. How do you feel about this? We haven't talked about Toronto's yeah. machinations this offseason. How do you feel? Yeah, about I feel, I feel good about that. I, the Toronto pitchers have generally been pretty solid from a real life. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, the pitchers that Toronto gets are meeting our fantasy expectations. Like when Barrios came over to Toronto last year, he pitched 
just as well as he was pitching for the twins. When Ryu came over from the Dodgers, like you already talked about him, everybody said the sky was falling, right? When Ryu came over from the Dodgers and there's no way he'll survive in the American league East. And there's no way he'll survive in Rogers center. But he pitched really well that year. And he was pitching fine last year until later in the year. I don't think he's a fantasy stud because the strikeout rates low and things like that. And he is starting to get up there in years, but the bottom line is he came into Toronto. He worked with Pete Walker, their pitching coach. He did fine. Um, I, I think Toronto is a fine place for, Sorry, I think Toronto's had plenty of success, which makes them a solid place for pitchers to go. It's not San Fran. I get it. You know, it's not going to the Dodgers. I think Gosman will be fine. He's not yeah. going to maybe do quite as good as he would have been with the with the Giants if he had gone back there, but he's going to be fine. I think that was a fine pick. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. So uh, there you go. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that build. I feel, com- you know, I. I've got a lot of a lot of K's and I've got a lot of upside. Obviously, yep. Degrom and Sale on the same team. That it's probably a little extra risky, but I, I like the prices on both. Um, maybe yeah, maybe too. that's a, you know I I wouldn't take them in the second round with before having any other starters, but having one starter in there already, yeah, I, I like it. Absolutely. I did take DeGrom and one of them on the two, three turn as my ace. I took Trey Turner first all the way back to me. A lot of pitchers had gone. I felt like DeGrom was what was left. I took him. I really did some thinking about how many innings would DeGrom have to throw to justify pick 24? Um, He's so good. Like, let's assume he's still DeGrom, low two ZRA, you know, whip that's not even close to one. Um, I think he might only have to throw 135, 140 innings to justify that. Everything else on top of that is, is a bonus. So, and again, like if you if you are thinking about the overall component or if you're just thinking about winning your league, um, that's the kind of pick that wins a league. Like if DeGrom pitches all season, you get 180 innings out of DeGrom as, as you know, the seventh starter off the board. He like If DeGrom throws 180 innings this year, he's he'll be the number one pitcher. Yeah, like he's so well, good. So yeah, he is. He's he's so, just a different level. It's just yes. there's a huge if there. Huge and if factor. Huge. I'm more inclined factor. to pull this off in a 12. I'm more inclined to do this yep. like in an FBC 50, uh, a non pickup league, I guess, than I would be say in the main event. Which is kind of, I don't know. I mean, I might change my tune on that even too. But by the time we get the main event. We should yes. have spring training. We, we should have some yeah. velocity numbers. We should have something, anything. Instead, you know, today, today's February 1st, and we have zero news for two months on almost every single player in the, in the player pool. Yeah. I mean, it, it's this weird thing. I mean, there's been a couple things that leaked here and there, but for the most part, it's been a complete, utter blank slate of news. Radio silence, uh, you know, which means all this ADP that's being built, and I've always been doing my ADP since December 1st, it's all based on our projections, people draft, just people drafting. And of course there's some momentum and you hear that the baseball, baseball Twitter cycle talking about closers, for instance, and how they're getting pushed up. You've seen the ADPs follow that, but you know, we, we don't have actual things that are changing any, no signings, no like injury updates. It's crazy. I mean, we're, it's all this fresh powder still. Yeah. there It's, it's, 
it's weird. There's no movement for sure. I mean, nor in a normal off season during January, we would see a bunch of players sign that would push certain players values up certain other players down. We would be talking about how the market's moving on certain guys. Managers would be February 1st. Managers would be rolling in to spring training sites. They'd have some comments on closers and things like that. We just don't have any of that. So the, I think the ADP market is sitting pretty stagnant right now. Like you said, the closers moved up a bit. Um, I think for obvious reasons with these draft champions leagues, um, I'm interested to see if the closers move back down when we go to the fab leagues, because like, and I know Phil DeSalt mentioned this, I think on, on, I think it was with the one, the podcast he did with James uh, last week. Um, Like part of the reason those, I think it was that one. The part of the reason that these closers are up in these draft champions leagues is, is the lack of waivers, whatever you draft among relief pitchers, that's all you're going to get for saves. And so a lot of the saves that are going to be used in fab leagues are just going to end up sitting on the waiver wire the entire season in these draft champions leagues. That obviously takes the possible 40 saves from Josh Hader, 35 saves from Josh Hader and makes them more valuable. So I'm interested to see, but we also know that pitching gets pushed up, gets pushed up in NFBC leagues in March typically, right? but it's already pretty up, especially the closers. So I'm interested to see if the closers come back down because when you get into a fab league, like there's not much, profit potential from the pick you make once you start taking Josh Hader in the third round. And I'm not against doing it in these, these DCs, but now your chances of Josh Hader outperforming the pick you used have become, has become quite small. Dude, so, you like, have to outperform in the third round. You don't, you definitely don't. But like, say your Joe Barlow pick that could outperform like Joe Barlow. Sure, if he could get course. you 28 saves, that would be huge. When you get into the main event, some people will be might be looking to nail some of those later picks so that they can get more studs at other positions. I don't know. I mean, or, or looking to work the waiver wire and think that they can work the waiver wire to get some saves that way. And some of them will be able to, to work the waiver wire to get some saves that way. So I'm interested to see if the closer prices come back down in March. I, I really don't know because I've never seen them this high before. No, I haven't either. And I, it, it's, yeah, and I think it's a unique year. I think it's because of the lockout, because of the dwindling number of teams that yes. have rock solid closers to begin with, and that some you know some, Craig Kimbrell's still a white sock, but he's almost going to certainly get dealt. That'd be one thing that resolves itself. By the way, Craig Kimbrell's price is not that cheap. He's always going to the top nope. ten rounds. You know, some people are drafting him as if he's he's closing still. Yeah, or at least sitting on the fence on him for sure. Like it's like like people are drafting him as though he's probably going to get traded, but they're not like all in. Like they won't take him where they'll take like Ryan Presley or something like that, or Raldis Chapman. Like they're not taking him that high. Like he's already, already been traded. I think he'd go even higher. I feel like people are like that with a lot of the guys right now. Like Blake Trinan, he's being drafted kind of as though he's their Dodgers closer, but well, I yeah. think every, everybody's a little worried that Kenley comes back or or something. So. So Trinan's being drafted like in this middle region, not where he's being he will drafted, be drafted later. He, uh, you know, yeah, I think he's being a not little where he would be drafted later. if Kenley was back. If Kenley was back, he'd go even later. Yeah, like I'm pulling up the ADP on Trinan, and you know he's getting he's 175. So even in a uh, 
even in a 15 teamer, he's not in the top 10 rounds. Kenley like is getting drafted as a, as a closer though. Right. But that Trinan at 175, like that's super cheap. If he ends up being the Dodgers closer for sure, but it's also, but it's, but it's super expensive. If he's just the Dodgers eighth, and if Kenley comes back and Trinan's a, I got to get you five wins and five saves now, you know, now that's a bad pick. So I think people are, there's just these guys that people are hedging their bets on. Right. Because they're not sure. I know you and Scott talked about like the Giants relievers. Um, the tw- I can say the Twins relievers. Like there's just all these teams right now that we have no clarity on. And nobody knows what to do with them. So what they're do- some people are doing is just drafting Josh Hader in the third round. Yeah. Um, just to a- avoid having to deal with the Third round. Situation. Second round. Uh, One-two turn in some cases now. Yes. Absolutely. Him and Hendricks too. By the way, Hendricks isn't getting discounted at all. Despite the the presence of Kimbrel, which I find interesting, because what if they don't pull off a trade? It's not lock stock certain that they pull off a trade. I know they picked up his option with the idea they're going to trade him, because really having a setup man at that price is not cost efficient. But what if they decide, hey, we're just going to have a lights out nails bullpen, have both these guys? I know Kimbrel wasn't that guy last year with the White Sox, but he still. You know, we, I think a lot of people presume he still has those skills. I mean, he. Hendricks could lose a few save ops. It's still possible. Yeah, it is possible. They did they did use Hendricks like really heavily last year, even mm-hmm. after Kimbrell was there. So I feel pretty good about Hendricks. But yeah, you're right. We'll see. These are all the uncertainties that we're playing with. And and that's what's leading to people just saying, you know, identifying Emmanuel Classe or Jordan Romano or Ryan Presley or Raldis Chapman and saying, okay, these guys have closer jobs. I don't really see any, any issues. Whatever. I'll just close my eyes and pay for them earlier than I normally would because I don't want to deal with this, but there will be some people in these DCs who played the game and won, who, who didn't take yeah. any of those guys and loaded up on players at other positions and then nailed a, a couple guys. They had hunches on and round like Blake Trinan or, or one of the giants guys or one of the twins guys or someone like that, or a Scott Barlow. And they nailed some of these guys in double digit rounds and it works and they get the right guys and they get their 70 saves, 80 saves without having to use any picks in the first 10 rounds. And they, and they use those other picks on better players. Yeah. We'll see how it all, how it all plays out quickly. Give me your, before we do our first ad note here, give me your fresh red hot take on Jordan Romano. I know there was a thread going around started by Doug Dennis, Kenley Jansen versus Jordan Romano. Who do you got? And then give me, tell me what you think the Jays are going to do otherwise. Oh, I like Romano. I think he's a good pitcher. I like his demeanor. I don't think the Jays are in the market for another. I, actually, I, I've read locally that the Jays are not in the market for another high-priced reliever. That's just not in the budget. They're, the remaining Jays budget probably goes towards a Marcus Simeon replacement, who won't be like a high, high, probably end guy, but like a medium guy, mm-hmm. either to play second or third. And then maybe they try to deepen their starting pitching pool with some someone who's okay but i think any bullpen ads the jays have from here on out will be cheap you know kind of flyer type guys um i think grabbing yimmy garcia is probably the biggest splash they'll make but i think i think romano's their closer and if he's healthy i think he'll be fine i I like him i look at the usage i look at how they used him down the stretch when games really mattered Mm -hmm. they they used him as their lockdown closer absolutely I'm with you. I am all aboard on Romano. If Jansen resigns with the Dodgers, he will close. I'm not. I, I'm not worried about that. Uh, but because I don't think they signed him to be that oh bullpen ace guy, and I don't think they signed him to be no. a, a setup guy. 
I think they sign him to close if they sign him. And I think that's still his most likely location, by the way. I think Somehow I think any I think anywhere Jansen goes, he'll close. I agree. I he has that 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 reputation, I guess. Like I think anywhere he goes, he'll close. Yeah. Yeah. I think I he's think too you're... too expensive and too good. Like he's not too good. He's too expensive for someone to bring him in. Mm-hmm. Like for example, Alex Colomay, he might get signed by some team and close. Like like, right. like he might like a cheap team, like a team team who's just looking for, Oh, he's got a lot of closing experience. He's not that great. He's not going to be some sort of bullpen ace, but he can save games. We're only going to pay him a couple million, a few million, whatever he could do that. But then Colome could also get signed by a good team and just be a guy in their bullpen. Cause he, right. he's not going to cost a ton. Jansen. Or it could be, cost- he could sign with that, that mediocre team as a closer and lose the job too. That's oh, still totally. also a possibility. Totally, uh, I might be like projecting from what happened last year. I don't know. Yes, exactly. But Jansen, I think I, I feel very, very confident that Jansen starts the year as some teams closer. All right. Uh, I, I tend to agree with you on that one there. Yeah. And honestly, I don't mind having either guy as one of my closers. So th- there's that. Um, before we continue talking about some early draft trends and some ADP, a uh, quick note from our friends at WinBet. There's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire. It's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in eight states. That's right, eight. Now we're up to eight. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana. Welcome, Louisiana. Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcasts. Here with Fred Zinke, I'm Jeff Erickson, here to discuss a lot of early ADP trends. And Fred, I heard that you are just flabbergasted, flummoxed, just bamboozled. <laughs> By Jordan Alvarez's ADP. Currently, if you go by ADP as of December 1st through through February 1st, Jordan Alvarez checks in at pick 27. Average ADP is like, well, it's, it's ranked 27. Average pick is about 31 with a range of 13 to 55. Too early, too late. What do you, What's your reaction here? Oh, I'm going to get burned on this because he is a really good player, but um, I just... I'm not feeling this early pick for a guy who produces no steals unless he's like Vlad Guerrero good. And Alvarez so far isn't Vlad Guerrero good. So I just, as I, if, as you look through the ADP, so take where Alvarez is, how many players above Alvarez produce no steals and, and Alvarez is going to produce no steals. Like his over under on steals this year would be 0.5. He has one career steal. Like, who above Alvarez gets you no steals? Um, basically Vlad. 
I mean, yeah, I, that's it. Like even yeah. Freddie Freeman will get you like eight or so, like he did last year. Like right. he should get a few. Um, I'm not Devers, giving Vlad. I know Devers I know Vlad gets got four, four or five, but... maybe. Yeah, Trout. Trout might get you zero. Trout is, huh. and I know you're going to talk about him too. But uh, that that's it. That's the list. Yeah. So I just feel like like I know Alvarez is a real. I know Alvarez is a really good young player. Um, I just he has so just some thoughts on him like. And I, I kind of downplayed him last year and got burned on some of this, but um, the zero steals has to be a huge factor as far as getting him into your draft plan. Um, even looking after him. So if you look at the ADP list after him, hitters I see, this is from January 10th on, hitters I see going after him. Tay Oscar can steal some bases. Marcus Simeon can steal some bases. I'm not counting Sal Perez because that's a whole different strategy if you're going to get a catcher early like basically no hardly anyone's getting steals from their catchers so that's different tim anderson steals bases um you know story steals bases i guess judge is a little later and then, and then you get into like matt olson and some guys maybe later you get into um pete alonzo who aren't going to steal bases it's really early with alvarez um i think to get a zero steal guy also with alvarez um Sorry, are his knees like for sure no longer a problem? Not for sure. Nothing's for sure in life, but I just um, like at this time last year, at this time last year, we had like major concerns about his knees. He's a big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he had played two games the previous year and things went well, like with him. He played 144 games last year with his knees. But like, are we sure that these that this knee thing is is not gonna crop up again? I don't I don't know. No. Uh, you, know, you obviously you can't be sure about this. Right. I'll, I'll tell you what build matters with him though too. Uh, right. Here's the the in my four drafts. Here's how the the Alvarez team started their teams. First one, Tatis Alvarez Judge. I think that's a you know it, it's interesting. And then Goldie four. Uh, yeah, they had no pitching, so okay. Right, Freddie Peralta is their first starter. Uh, it's an yeah. interesting build. They got. Bryant, Reyes, Votto, they got a Brandon Lau, not a whole lot of steals on this team, uh, but they do have Tatis, so it's interesting. But yeah, it's light on speed. Uh, next one. Uh, this one I think is interesting, but I also it's not super heavy on speed. Otani, DeGrom, Alvarez, Bogarts, Linder. Uh, Lindor. Uh, Eloy in the sixth. Oh, that's nice. So another there. team that went really light on pitching early. Yeah, but Otani can be used as a pitcher, though. Too. Yeah, um, are you going to? I think on two some two, select two start weeks you might. Although I, given what we know what happened last year with you know yeah. all the changes that happened, especially with the Angels, it's kind of dangerous. Mm-hmm. Okay, here here's the third one. I this one they I think they address the stolen bases pretty well here. Trey Turner, Alvarez, Teoscar to start, um, and then later on added India and Grisham as later stolen base guys. I Where's think the, that where is their pitchers? Did they Robbie any Ray, pitchers? Robbie Ray, Musgrove, Rodon, or Ambassador, the top four starters okay. through round 12. All right. I think they got there. They even got a closer in Gallegos. Probably Gallegos is tricky because the Cardinals, he it's sure not like they've tricky. named him. Yep. Yet. Yep. Uh, but Gallegos and Trinan are his top two relievers in this one here. Uh, I think that's an interesting build. But you know what? That one at least addresses the speed. I, yep. I'm I'm okay with that a little bit. Uh, and then finally, uh, Trey Turner at pick three, first of all, useful. Wow. Woodruff, Alvarez, Nola, Lindor. So that one I like the best, I think. That's a pretty good start. That's a pretty, pretty yeah. good start. I, 
I think if you're, I, I'm not really into grabbing guys in the first, I think I've just decided I'm not really into grabbing guys in probably the first four rounds that are neither pitchers nor can produce like at least a few steals. I might make an exception for Vlad if I just, if I had a plan, because I just think Vlad is such a special hitter. Mm-hmm. Like, can, like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I'm not feeling it with Alvarez. I feel like he should be another round at least later where you build up some of those other things first. This is a very rotocentric viewpoint. Sure. Be clear because I've been, I've, I've downplayed Alvarez before and gotten burned before it on Twitter. I do not think that Alvarez is a bad player. He's a very good player. He has a career 948 OPS. Um, I don't think, unless his knees act up, I don't think he's going to like seriously let anyone down. I just don't like the roster build, but I, probably rather take Alvarez where he's going than Mike Trout where he's going. If you want to segue. Yeah. Okay. So you're not going to take Trout in the first round on a 15 teamer. I take it. That's just off the board for you. I would not take Trout in the second round of a 15 teamer either. Okay. I, don't, I, like I might take him in the third round. You're not going to get him then. Okay. No, I'm sure. <laughs> sure not. Yeah. And I think the answer, like my answer, I do. Okay. So again, I get it. Like Mike Trout could play 155 games this year and be the best pure hitter. I don't know if he could be the best fantasy player anymore. Maybe. I guess yeah. Vlad was last year. So I guess Trout could be if everything broke his way. Right. Because Vlad finished hot number one on some player Raiders last year. So I guess if you can do it with four steals, then I guess Trout could do it. But um I, I just think with Trout, like the steals are gone, right? Like you don't think they're coming back, do you? I don't. I don't. Yeah. I mean, although it's funny, sprint speed was still like 95th, 96th percentile, if I recall correctly. I mean, it's still like yep. over the moon fast. He's still super fast. It's just so fragile. Uh, and that is going to, you know, he's hurt himself sliding while stealing bases yeah. before. That's it just doesn't make any sense. Want. Yeah, given the lot, the way his recent seasons have gone with injuries, it just doesn't seem like they'll have him steal. He has three steals. In, in the last two years, he has three steals in 91 games. So, like, it seems like this is, like, a five-steal guy if he plays a lot this mm-hmm. season. Um, the other thing about Trout that's interesting is um, – at least the last couple of years, like last year, he played, he, he played so little last year, but the year before 281, the year before 291, like we haven't seen recently the, the three, the three tens type batting averages from him. So again, like, like Trout, if Trout hits 290 or 295 this year, that's really good, but it's not like what we did see from him in some of his peak years where we were seeing like batting average. Sure. He has one, two, three, four seasons of playing all season hitting over 310. There's a big difference between 310 and 290. Yep, that's right. As far as there fantasy is. value goes. It's 20 points. Yeah. But but my biggest reason that I'm not into <laughs> Trout is, is the injuries. Yeah. So I just... But 20 points at 600 at-bats is huge. You know, 20 it's points. huge. If he gets Absolutely. 400, not as much. But yeah, um, that, unfortunately, right. that's so if also... You told, so, so I do get that Mike Trout's the best baseball player of his generation, but... If you told me that I was going to draft someone who's had a lot of injuries in recent seasons, missed most of last season, and is going to, let's just say you said that he's going to hit about 290 and not steal bases, why would I want to take that guy in the second round? Yeah, I mean, you got to get 50 homers. You got to really or, or just something it. at least forty, probably in triple something special. And yeah. RBIs. But you need yeah. him to play for that. You need you need him to be healthy. If I if I fully believe Trout could be healthy all season, then I think he's worth a second round pick. Um, 
but I, but I like, I'm not really that confident in that. You know, point. at some point in his career, Trout's going to go chipper Jones on us and be healthy for three years in a row. And we're all so. going to feel, and it's, it's all, we're all going to be like, okay, I faded him. I faded. And then, okay, I'll push him back up. I'll push him back up. And then wham, he's going to get hurt again. Once we push him back up to the first round. But so uh, I hope so. I, I will say, yeah, and I know he's a special I know, player. I want to see it, but yeah. I, well, I was going to say, I know that this, this comparison is a hitter and a pitcher, but I thought the same thing about Clayton Kershaw at one point. I thought he's the best pitcher of his generation. He's this is okay. So 2016, he struggled with injuries. 2017, he struggled with injuries. 20 like, but I kept thinking like, no, but he's still a really good pitcher when he pitches. So mm -hmm. he's going to turn this around. He's going to have another 210 inning season, you know, which actually was a thing five years ago. And, you know, and he, and, and, and we've all kind of downgraded him, but it's going to happen. It has never happened. Like it never, I know it's a pitcher and Trout's a hitter, but it never, Clayton Kershaw is like, like his twenties are some of the best 20, 20, 20s generation, you know, we've seen in our lifetime, but in his thirties, like it right. hasn't come around. He hasn't come around from a health perspective. That's right. That's right. So, so where does he I, I end up by the way? Still a free agent. So he signed back with the Dodgers, signs back, the, signs with the Rangers, you know, cause he's from. Texas. Yeah, I or... say not the Dodgers. I I think the Rangers is a decent guess. My guess is going to be not the Dodgers. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I like yeah. it. Gold, but anyways, I don't from... know if you think I uh, maybe I'm crazy on trope, but when I run my when I run my projections, and I know you do that too, and and run my SGPs with my projection projections, and I know a lot of people do that too. Like he doesn't trout doesn't come in anywhere near his ADP. So I wonder the people who are taking him. Like what numbers are they putting in that are getting him to that number where he becomes a viable, like first round pick? Like, like I have him in my projections so far behind someone like Freddie Freeman, who's also like a pretty low steel guy. But I guess the answer is, is they're just deciding that they're going to put in a full season of games for him. Yeah. I, if I did that, he would move away. Like if I put in 610 plate appearance or something, he would 630 plate appearances. He would move up way, 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 way up. By the way, Freddie Freeman is the opposite of Trout. He always shows up higher than I expect. And, yep. and I, I feel comfortable drafting. But then I look, oh, he had eight stolen bases. Oh, he had 10. Oh, he had eight. You know, like, okay, you know, at some point he might, it might go away. But we thought Goldschmidt was done running. And guess what? He ran again last year. You know, it's like sometimes they don't go, they come back even too. It's interesting. Yeah, and Freddie Freeman's an interesting guy in that he can he can have a few different paths to like he can have a year where he hits 320 and and really pushes your his value to you through the batting average, or he can have the year where he hit 38 home runs, or the year where he hit 34 home runs, and he really pushes his value to you through the power. Right. So he he's always good at both, but sometimes one of those two skills can really can swing a little bit more. He swings a little more some years towards batting average or towards power. I don't know. I just, with Trout, like I keep wondering what numbers are other people putting in their spreadsheets that are making him pick, I think his ADP since, since January 10th is 13th overall. Like, like what numbers are they putting in? But I guess the answer is different than me is they're putting in like 550 at bats or something, which he hasn't done since 2016. Right. That's He's right. had 500 at bats in a season since, 2016 i'll be honest i goosed mine up to 472 um maybe i there's need to... no way so there's no way i would assume if you've got him at 472 at bats and you have him with hardly any steals like there's no way he's anywhere near his adp he's a second round guy in my uh with okay. my 
with with that. But yeah, we're talking like probably 19 to 20 or so. I got to goose a couple of things on my SGPs actually still to kind of alter that a little bit. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I have him with four bags also. So he's not yeah, a zero. I think that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 294 and four bags. So that's, that's probably an optimistic projection. I did goose the playing time a little bit. Um, maybe it's a little hope and faith. I might be that guy. Hope and faith isn't a category though. So maybe I should be tamped that down. <laughs> no, I think, bit. I think that projection is, I think that projection is fine. I think, you know, I, I said, I said, I, w- I wouldn't take him in the second round. There'll just be players I like better. I think in the second round, mm-hmm. I do, I guess if it was late second round, like I'd have to think about it for the upside, but there'll just be players I like better. But um, I think to get him up to that point in my SGPs, I'd have to really push it. I'd have to really push. I'd have to push him up to like 40 home runs. Yeah. And I'll say I just, this. I yeah. will say this. Uh, the number of, of stolen bases that you need to gain your precious, precious cat, category points are fewer than, than it was before. Uh, you know, last year, for instance, I'll, I'll, I'll pull, I'm pulling up my article to give you the numbers on this here. But 2018, to get 80th percentile in stolen bases, you needed 137 in the main event, 15-team main event. Mm-hmm. Last year was 121, 16 fewer, Fred. Uh, that's All of a sudden, you're needing – you don't need 2020 guys. You need 25-15. You, uh, you need you – know, you know, obviously, you can't – not everybody in your roster is going to get you 15. You got catchers. You got – you know, you can't find – 14 hitters that are going to average 10, 10 stolen bases, but you don't need that either. You need to average about eight stolen bases per position now. Yep. Oh, absolutely. You, you definitely need less of them. It's just even needing less. Like I I'm finding that they are pretty hard to find. Yeah, they are. They are. That, that, that's are the flip side guys, is they're a lot harder to find. You're right. Yeah. I mean, there are some guys as we go through, like there, there are some guys in the middle rounds who can chip in like 10, 12 something like that who, who i don't mind but but uh but you're not finding anyone what's interesting i think is now it's like you're not finding anyone in the middle rounds really who can be your savior if you've if you've really fallen behind the pack and steals right and like your late you, round targets too i mean yeah i use nikki lopez as the example you need to have them active when they're going on their run they need to be you know you have to they have because they're nikki lopez isn't isn't hitting for any power he's a guy that for better or worse, may not run off, may, may not, you know, be active every time, every week for you on your roster. Mm-hmm. So you need to turn around, you need to be able to time that market well. And Lopez did like 10 of his stolen bases in a two week span. And he was probably a, on people's benches for, or I think even in a one week span. Uh, and he might have been on some people's benches there or dropped and then picked up again after that week. And then he did, didn't do nearly as much after that. That's right. And, and yeah, like you said, to get his steals you need to leave him in his no power in your lineup. And, and you can do the late steel darts. You can go for Andres Jimenez and hope that this is the year that, you know, he clicks in Cleveland after it didn't really happen last year. And you can, you can go for those. And those like, like one of those guys will probably turn out, but we used to be able to find these guys in the middle rounds who could get you 25 steals, 30 steals. And and you, and you knew they were probably going to play and, and but they're just not there anymore. Like I find it's as we go through the middle rounds, if you can get a, a 15 steel guy, you're like, oh, that's great. Like other than Miles Straw, other than Miles Straw, if you're going through the middle rounds and you can get a fifth, find a, a guy who you think can get you 10 to 15, 
you're like, oh, that's really good. I'll take that. So, so it's like you just those steals that you do need, although it's not as many, you do need most of them in the first five rounds. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Miles Straw. Uh, I have him in two leagues. Okay. And I don't like taking him. Uh, I don't like taking that type of player. Uh, I know I, you don't. I, but I do think he his on base skills are better than that. that some of the others that we that have competed. I don't think he's, for instance, I, I think I've always said, don't take Delano DeShields Jr. Don't take, uh, oh, Malik Smith. That was, I think, the go-to example all the time of mm-hmm. yep, Shields yep. only goofs. Yeah. Uh, Straw, I think, has a firmer hold on playing time. And it's also been a case there. Usually that's where it's my, it's those, I got straw on my pitching heavy teams to try to catch up on steals. I also got Tommy Edmond on those teams too. Both of those teams. I had straw and Edmond to try to catch up someone's stolen bases. Like it or hate it? Uh, I don't mind it. I, I'm cool with Tommy Edmond. I have, I, I've been, I have no shares of either of those two players. I'm kind of always in on Edmond but I usually have a decent steals base by then. So Mm -hmm. then I just don't, I just draft like a better better hitter, but I'm always in on him. He's always like near the top of my list when he goes straw isn't, but I got nothing. I've got nothing against him. So like some straw has some good qualities for just kind of staying in the lineup. Like he's a pretty good on base guy. Like his career on base is 343. That keeps you in the lineup, right? Like 343 and, and you can steal bases. Um, that that's going to keep you in the lineup. I think straw is going to stay in the lineup. I'm not really worried about that. He's also someone who's always been a base stealer. So it's not like these steals came out of nowhere or anything. Um, I think right. that's fine with straw. It's just going to be a matter of lineup position. If, if you get him as a leadoff hitter, that's good. It, you know, you can get 85, 90 runs scored. If you, yeah. if he, because he's not a good hitter really overall, like there's no <laughs> power there. If he ended up at hitting eighth or ninth, and we know how guys like Miles Straw go, they either hit leadoff or they hit eighth or ninth. Well, so, it's a good thing that, that Cleveland's never screwed us with players like that in the past. Oh, yeah. Wait, I mean, Oscar Mercado, Andres yes. Jimenez, come on down. Yeah. What have I signed myself up for? Oh, I so got that would be my concern with Straw is that you end up he he ends up hitting eighth or ninth, and yeah, you get your thirty steals, but on the way to getting your thirty steals, you get like you know, 45 RBIs and like 60 runs scored and no homers or, you know, and it's just a, it's just a drag everywhere else. And you did have to use like a significant pick on him, not a high pick, but a significant one. So Edmund, I felt a little better about, I don't know if I'm just a little more biased towards Edmund, there's like a little more pop there than there is with straw, right? Like he had 11 homers last year. You know, he had, had he said he has some homers every season. So I kind of like that aspect of him, but he's not really a better hitter than straw. In fact, had the same OPS last year. Yeah. Yeah. So he doesn't walk, so. right? Like Straw does. Right. So I could have two guys that don't walk and well that should be fine. Totally fine. <laughs> I think but these are the trade-offs. If you feel good about these guys, then you could like you said like you could not have steals early. You could get guys like Vlad or Jordan Alvarez or Mike Trout if you really like some of those guys and you really want them and, and get some good pitchers and you're going to tie your steals up in Edmund and Straw and if you believe in them and you're right Perfect. Edmund and Straw combined can get you 60 steals. You're going to be well on your way to a good steals, you know, finish. And you've got some stud hitters who are great at other things that you like. So, like, it can work. It can. It can yeah. work. Yeah. I don't know if it will work. I don't know. Uh, I want to get your opinion on three players uh, who've moved play- moved teams. But before that, real quick, a note from our friends at Thrive and the, the Blue Wire Network. Experience a new way to play daily fantasy sports on Thrive Fantasy. 
Thrive Fantasy is an exciting player prop fantasy contest. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research that Fred Zinke does every week and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up for Thrive Fantasy today and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Here's how you claim your free Rotowire subscription. One, visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Two, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Three, plan your first paid contest and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Big thanks to Thrive and also to the Blue Wire Network for hosting our podcast all season long here. All right, Fred. Interested or not, I'm going to give you the player the and the ADP. You gave me two of them already, so you, you're, you're already well prepared. So I'm not surprising with any of them. Third one I'm going to surprise you with, but you won't be surprised really. Uh, Marcus Semyon is now uh, an XJ. He is now a Texas Ranger. We know that's not as good of a ballpark to hit in. We know it's not. it can't possibly be as good of a lineup as he had in Toronto. And he's coming off a career year. 
His ADP is 32 from December 1st on, qualifies at second and short, plays a lot of games, usually is good for 10 to 15 stolen bases. Are you paying that price? Fred Zinke, what's your answer? Nope. I I don't think so. Great story last year. Like, I like Marcus Simeon a lot. I don't think Mm -hmm. he'll be a total flop in Texas, but I really, really hate that lineup outside of a couple players. Um, How about this? He goes right kind of side by side with his former teammate, Teoscar Hernandez. I would rather have Teoscar, who still gets all the benefits from hitting for the Blue Jays, wouldn't you? I completely would. And uh, I think, you know, you know, I'm team Teoscar. I I have a lot of love in my heart for him. The only thing that's in favor of Simeon is the positions, you know, middle infield, second and short, because especially because Simeon is not going to get you batting average either. And that's the other thing. And they might go way down as the, you know, Mm -hmm. if it's in in Texas, uh, it's possible, but uh, Teoscar is probably over his skis a little bit batting average wise. Anyhow, he'll probably drop back some, but I, you know, Teoscar is two spots ahead of him. I'd rather have Teoscar too. Uh, I'm with you on that one. I'd rather, yeah, I'm just, I'm not a dad against Simeon. Also, you mentioned the positions. Now he is shortstop eligible, so that helps a bit, but I find the second base eligibility, I don't know about you, but there, for me this year, there are so many second basemen that I like throughout the draft. There's second baseman early that I like, like, you know, whether it's, it's, it's Trey Turner or Whit Merrifield or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, there's second baseman through the middle rounds that I like. Jonathan India and players such as that. And then there's late round second base. There are second basemen all the time that I like. I find all of my, um, all of my DC teams are ending up with like six second base, six guys who are second base eligible. Yeah. Um, I've, I've every once in a while, I find myself scrambling to kind of catch up at second base, but I think it's also because although those are the non Edmund teams, obviously, but uh, you know, where I'm taking that guy, but uh, I'm trying to look at, I'm looking at my roster here on this one. Where did I take my first second baseman? Uh, it must be because he's multi-eligible, but I did go Anderson Bogarts in a league. So I waited on second base. Abraham Toro is a second baseman. Hmm, yeah. This is kind of Adam Fraser, Nico Horner, baseman. Eduardo Escobar. I'm kind of messing around on that. <laughs> Excuse me. In that position a little bit mm-hmm. there on that league. So it's interesting. Uh, yeah. I have found myself waiting on that position a lot. I'm not comfortable waiting at third. So I'm, I'm going to go at second a little bit there. Someone always has to give, right? And looks like second base is it for me. I'm finding the same the same thing at third, where if I don't get one of the studs, uh, who knows after that, like where, where, when and where I address third. It might, I haven't had to reach or what mm-hmm. I feel like is reaching for third, but I'm definitely, you know what I'm noticing too in the DCs that's just different from like a, like a fab league in a fab league. If I just get one third baseman that I like, then sure. That's fine. Like I can play the waiting (laughs) wire guys are going to guys are going to turn up. I think it was just a year ago. Everyone was talking about how deep third base was. And then now, and now it's changed. So like, like I, like I, once we get to fab leagues, I don't think I'll overrate that. Like as long as I have a third baseman, I like, and then a couple first baseman, I like that would be fine in the DCs where I should have on my roster, probably about four guys, three, four, five guys who are third base eligible, I'm struggling to find that without reaching. Right. That's a yeah. unique problem to that league setup, but I'm, I'm struggling to find that without just reaching for guys, um, you know, who I don't really want. And the, because you need to build that depth in those leagues, you know, you right. can, you can grab Manny Machado, but like you need, you need other guys on your roster who are third base eligible. Like, unless you just, you're just going to wing it with him all season and hope he never gets hurt. That's true. I mean, Manny Machado is a pretty good guy to bet on not getting hurt. He, ha- he has been, for sure. Yeah. Um, but then again, I mean, the injury bug does 
hit lots of people. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's hard to say, you know, he's not injury prone. He's healthy. He's, he's always healthy. I mean, yeah, he comes for everyone at some point in time. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next guy on the list, Corey Seager. He's shortstop number 12, at least among el- shortstop eligible players. Not every one of these players is going to be used as shortstop. But to your point, there's five guys above him that are shortstop eligible that are also second base eligible, which is interesting. Pick 79, uh, average pick is 79, 78th ranked player. Where are you on Corey Seager? Yeah, not really feeling him either. Um, I, this is a negative, but this is becoming next week. We're going to have to do guys, Fred likes or something like that, because I feel like this has been a negative mm-hmm. podcast for me, but I mean, send me this your grids, on. send me your grids and I'm going to mine that data and uh, I'm going yeah. to pin you down on a couple of guys um, there. With Corey Seager, uh, I think if you asked just like, I I think if you asked a lot of fantasy baseball managers, even like people who are kind of into it, like how many home runs Corey Seager typically hits in a season, I don't think you get the right numbers. I I guess he did hit a lot last season in that shortened season, but typically like, like 16, I guess he was hurt last year. I don't know. I'm just not feeling Corey Seager. Maybe I should give him a little more credit. He doesn't steal bases. Again, I don't like Texas's lineup. Um, it's not a great park to hit. And I know he's not leaving a great park either. He hasn't been ever a big power guy. I guess he was in the shortened season. If we yeah. count that, do do we count that? I mean, it's so hard uh, to do that. I mean, he hit 15 homers in 60 games or in 52 yeah. games, even that's messing up my projections a little bit. Now that I'm looking at there, I, cause I got him for 26 homers and he's only hit that once uh, when he played 157 games in his first full season. So I maybe I'm a little high. I don't know. He falls know. a little bit. He, this is basically my Mike Trout argument all over again, just with a lesser player, but still a really good player. But no speed. Like yep. No speed. He could hit for average for sure, but no speed. Seeger kind of goes way later because his power is fine, but not special. But I mean, if you just, he did well from an injury perspective in the shortened season. But if you look outside of that 95 games last year, 134 in 2019, 26 in 2018, you know, 145, which is fine in 2017. Like he just has struggled to stay healthy. Um, he's again, he's on a team where it's like, I like Simeon and Seager. Is there any, any other hitter in that lineup you like? Um, not really. No, uh, like, I, like, I mean, none. I don't like any, like, I don't like Adelise Garcia. I don't like Nathaniel low, low. I, I know some people like him. He's I don't really hate low, but, uh, I'm not high on low either. When you started, um, when I started evaluating okay. him as like a first baseman, I I'll, I'm going to cheat a little bit on your question. I right. like Josh Jung. Okay. But he's not, so, he's not going to make his debut until somewhere midway into the season, though, too. So it's it's a cheat there. But I think when he gets the call, I think he's going to be very good. But I think the right. ballpark will hurt him, too. Yeah, and, and if Seager's not going to hit for a lot of power, then he's going to be dependent on his teammates to help him produce runs in RBIs, right? right? If I mean, if you could go to Texas and just hit 43 home runs, you can collect a lot of runs in RBIs just all by yourself. Right, right, right. He's dependent on his teammates to be part of rallies with him if he's going to hit a lot of singles and doubles. And I mean, maybe he will hit 25 home runs or something like that. I don't know, 25 home runs with no steals. The other thing is, is he does, maybe I'm too steel centric on this episode of the podcast, but where are you going to get your steals from? It's not from catcher usually, and it's not from corner infield. So it probably needs to be from your middle infielders 
like not, not primarily, but they need to contribute. So if he's not going to get you any, then you're definitely going to need someone on your team from that in those middle infield spots that gets you some. So I think there's a roster build maybe where you like getting Seager. And I do, I get that he's a good player. I, I don't know. I just do not. I feel like that Texas lineup still stinks. Like even with him and Simeon, I think it's still a bad I agree. lineup. I agree. If you squint, you can see an upside for Willie Calhoun. Yep. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Like Cole Calhoun could, if he stays healthy, could hit 30 home runs. Like he does have power, but there's just a lot of, these are a lot of guys who like, they'd be fine if they're like your, like your seventh hitter or your eighth hitter on your team, but maybe right. sixth, but there's just no one else to go in the, I feel like on that Texas team, there's just no one else to go in the top five. Right. Right. Maybe they I'm need, spoiled. They, as need, a Blue Jays they fan. need like two hitters to take the leap basically to make right. that more well-rounded lineup. Right. I, I, yes. I agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, Nelson Cruz could walk through that door. He's a free agent, yep, but absolutely. homecoming for Nelly. Who says no? I mean, honestly, that's not a bad fit. I assume Nelson Cruz takes any job offer right now. That's a full-time playing time. Like anyone who's gives him a reasonable salary and a full-time playing time for a year. He takes that offer. Yeah. I wouldn't say any, I don't think he goes back to the twins. For instance, don't think he goes to the Orioles. Although, can you see? And the thing is, we haven't even talked about that ballpark. You know, it's definitely not going to be the same in Camden Yards this year. You saw that. They're moving those left field fences back and up, both. Dropping, you're dropping Ryan Mountcastle in your rankings. I am. And I'm dropping Mancini. It was yep. Mancini all along. Um, okay. <laughs> final guy trading places. And I know this is a guy you're very familiar with, Fred, Mr. Robert Ray, now a Mariner. How are you feeling about Robbie Ray this year? I don't know if I have the stomach for him, but I don't, I don't feel bad about him. Um, I think his ADP is fair uh, because we know the strikeouts will be there, right? Yeah. No matter what. And one, one thing about Robbie Ray that I find kind of interesting is he's been quite durable in his career. That's he something has. he's always brought to the table. His innings totals aren't really high prior to last season because he didn't go deep into games because he walks everybody, but he makes his starts. So, you know, he, he has been durable. So if you can count on the innings or at least the starts and hopefully he gets the innings, you're going to get a lot of strikeouts from him. So that's going to be there. It's, it's just a matter of whether he can retain these gains that he made in Toronto. Um, I'm okay with him at his ADP. I haven't had okay. any shares of him. I don't think I'm going to. How about you? I don't, I'm not doubling down on never Robbie Ray. Um, right. I haven't found myself getting him yet. But that's mostly because of how I've been building. I mean, there's been a couple either ors where I think it's been close, uh, where I where where he's gone versus where I've taken him. But you're right, I I haven't gotten him yet. I think it's a fair price. Like I took, like he went one pick before me in the fourth round in one draft where I took Giolito, and I would have taken Giolito over him. Same, I'm, and I would take yep. Nola over him too, who yep. went like five picks later after that. Nola versus Giolito was an interesting debate for me. Uh, yeah. By the way, uh, another league, I took my first closer ahead of him. I took uh, I took Iglesias over him, and in the fourth round, this is mm-hmm. yep. this is the pre-inflation prices apparently. Uh, but yeah, I, point is, I I've been close, but not really close to him so far. Yeah, that, that's really where I am. I think like last year, obviously he was so good, but outside of last year, he has one season one in his career before last year where he had an e uh sorry a whip below 1.33 mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So 1.33 was his second best season prior to last year. It's now his third best season, obviously. He he can get you a reasonable ERA. I just worry that that whip jumps way up um, this year. And then that, like, you don't really, his BABIP was low last year, like, like really low for him, about 50 points below his, 40 points, sorry, below his career mark. If it jumps up, that brings the whip up, that puts more guys on base. Maybe, I don't know, maybe then he gives in and issues a couple more, a few more walks. I don't know. I just, like I said, I'm interested. I'm not against him. I don't think he's a bad pick. I just, I don't think I'm going to have any. I'm trying to think of a scenario where I would want him, but I don't know. Maybe if I didn't address pitching before I took him, he's going to be my ace. Like, cause he can get the strikeouts and at least there's the upside there. We've seen it. We saw it last year, you know, maybe, right. maybe. So. Uh, yeah. The question yeah. is how much did Toronto unlock him or, and can right. he. There's another unlocked? guy in my theory with Gossman, by the way, yeah. like this is another guy who with Pete Walker as his pitching coach had a really good season. Yeah. That's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. Uh, and then you have to decide like, you know, can Seattle do the same with them? Uh, you know, better ballpark, but yep. You know, I don't reasonable know. division. I feel like, right? Yeah, like, I'd agree with that. Yeah, like, uh, like in fact, I think a lot of in a lot of cases it might be that you know the division's even more competitive than it was last year for them. Yes, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, when I look at the lineups in that division, like the Angels lineups. It depends a lot on health. There's so many guys, right? Trout, Rendon, like Justin Upton. Like, I, who knows what the Angels lineup would be like? But the Rangers mm-hmm. lineup, I don't think is good. Houston's lineup is good. The A's lineup probably won't be good by the right. time the dust settles on the off season. Like, it's a this is a reasonable landing spot for Ray. Assuming the DH two is coming to the National League, then there's no that benefit. That out, yeah, yeah, there would have been no benefit. So this is a pretty good spot for him. It really comes down to him. Can he continue to limit the walks? Right. That's right. Um. So. That that that's I, I won't say I, I I won't rule them out entirely, but right now I'm not inclined to get them. But it's close. It is pretty close. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. That's where we're gonna wrap up on our outline today. We got a couple other topics we'll save for next week. We did get one. Have one listener question. Jasper says, "I have a dynasty startup draft starting tomorrow. Twenty-four teams, forty major league spots, thirty minor league spots, head-to-head points, picks ninth and odd rounds, sixteenth and even rounds." He's thinking pitcher heavy in the first 10 rounds. You know, I, I, there was, I guess there was, I guess the question is, is that a good strategy? Uh, most of the dynasty content I read suggests you go pitcher, uh, you go hitter heavy early. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't do a whole lot of dynasty startup. You should probably listen to James Anderson's podcast from earlier this season. Uh, he did a lot of dynasty talk then. In fact, you go to rotowire.com slash try, you can get that free 10 day trial. But you can also you can also just go in all the podcasts, search Rotowire on your podcast, uh, and you can see all the off-season content that James did. A lot of it. They did a startup dynasty league, and he talked about it with all the people in the league as well. And you can get a good idea of what they value and how how those drafts go. That could give you a better answer than what I'm going to give you, probably, especially for a league of your size, especially of your sort of format. But typically, if I'm, I'm thinking long term, I want to have a strong base of young hitters and build out from there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, I'm and I'm fine with taking lots of pitchers early. You kept hearing me scream when you were reading some of these rosters today. I'd say, "Where's the pitchers?" Like from some of these right. people who were drafting five hitters in the first six rounds. They're like, "Where's their pitch? Where are their pitchers?" But in a dynasty, yeah, we know that unpredictable nature of pitching. So, yeah, I would be careful going too hitter heavy or too pitcher heavy in the early rounds. Yeah, 
All right. So there you go. Thanks, Jasper, for the question. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Rotowire. Uh, Fred and I are happy to be back. It was fun. It flew by. The hour flew by. I want to thank Winbet for their sponsorship. Uh, we'll, uh, I think we'll talk a little bit about whether we have a universal DH next week and what that means and maybe who benefits. Uh, so who knows? We'll also probably have a little bit more progress or at least a better idea of whether we're going to have progress on the labor talk. So maybe uh, that, that kind of spurs some more of the conversation then, too. Uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening. Good luck in your slow drafts right now. We'll talk to you again next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.